0: So you're thinking about running, but not sure how to take the first step. My name's Brian Patterson, and I'm here to help. And welcome to Brian's Rompod. Music Well, welcome to Brian's Rompod. It's uh, Brian Patterson. And uh, if you've been with me up to this point, then well, I just want to say a big, big thank you. Well, in today's episode, we're going to be covering the 10K. We'll be looking at some training plans for the 10K, best advice for the 10K. And also, we're going to be looking at the career of one of our most famous athletes. So more of that later on. So um, let's look at the, the, the key things uh, with reference to the 10K training plan. Now, I'm assuming that you have done a 5K or you've done, let's say, a 5K, a couch to 5K uh, training plan. Now, let's say you want to take it to that left, next level. Uh, and what are the elements of your training plan going to look like? So you're going to have a long run, You're going to have speed sessions. You're going to have tempo runs and also not forgetting the relax runs. So basically what we're doing is we're putting together a lot of what we've learned in previous episodes. But before we move forward and start training, I would, as part of your training plan, go for a 10K walk or maybe go for a longer walk. Just get used to being on your feet for over an hour. A lot of training plans would get you to doing all these sessions straight off the bat. I think walking is just as important part of your training as running is. The long run. Well, as you can imagine, your long runs are going to be nearer the target distance. This may seem a little bit daunting at first, according to Global Triathlon Network. The intensity is going to be a lot less. However, I think for most people who have not completed a 10K for a long time, the main goal is to run the distance. So I think to start off with a 5K, as we know we can run a 5K, then as suggested by the Global Triathlon Network, increase your total weekly distance by 10%. So the next week you might do a 5.5K, then the following week you do a 6K. Now, if you have a smartwatch, you can set the watch to alert you if you are going too fast. Now, how this is done will range from watch to watch. So you consult your watch instructions on how to do it. I have an Apple Watch and this is how I've set it up. Go to the little man running icon, then choose outdoor run, tap on the three dots and select distance, and you can now select which distance you want to run. In that part of the program you can set alerts. These will vary from vary from pace, heart rate, cadence, power, time and splits. Now you can set your upper and low limit for your pace. So for instance you could set your pace between seven to seven and a half minutes per kilometer, then off you go. Now for speed sessions. Now I know you might be asking why do I need to run speed sessions if I'm doing a 10k? Well for the following reasons. It breaks up your training and gives you something different to look forward to. Also it gets your legs moving at a faster pace. Plus it challenges your body and your mind. I also think it's great for developing your willpower. For instance if you're following a training plan and they set a speed session of, say, 10 times a one-minute sprints and a one-minute rest, then you have have it in your mind's eye to complete that session. Once completed, you feel satisfied that you've accomplished the goal. Now, according to uh, RedBull.com on how to improve your 10K running time, running short, fast intervals improves your top speed but it can also improve your running form and even your running economy how fast you can run at a given amount of oxygen by asking your body to run fast you're challenging it to find ways to do that some of the adaptations might also be biomechanical including a faster stride rate and a longer stride there are mental benefits to be gained from interval training Convincing yourself to run another rep when you want to give up or to hold your pace for one more lap of the track is going to build grit, which you can draw on come race day. This I have found really, really helpful. Come the last 50 meters, you can draw on that experience. Laura Fountain, a running coach, emphasizes that you should make sure you're properly warmed up before any interval training. And here's her advice. You should include at least one mile, 1.6 kilometers, that is, or even a kilometer of easy running before and after the sessions below, as well as some dynamic stretches and drills to work on during your for your running form. Here are some example sessions you could try. So six times 800 meters at a 5k pace with a 400 meter easy recovery or 8 times 200 metres at a mile pace with a 200 metre jog recovery. Uh, or 5 times 2 minutes at a 5k rep pace. Or, and 4 times 4 minutes at a 5 to 10k pace with 19 minutes recovery between reps. 3 minutes recovery between the sets. So you know, on to the next essential uh, training Uh, would be tempo runs and I know we have covered this in the past and let us remind ourselves of what is a tempo run. Tempo runs also known as threshold runs can help you run faster for longer. Tempo runs are a training technique that increases your anabolic threshold so your body adapts to performing at a higher intensity comfortably. This intensity could be longer distance or at faster pace. Your cardiovascular fitness dictates how far or how hard you can run. Tiring easily is an indicator that your muscles aren't getting the oxygens they need and when they need it or it could be a sign that your body isn't sufficiently clearing the lactic acid. Now active.com says that the tempo runs are a sustained 20 to 30 minute efforts about two to four miles in length. Done at 10 to 20 seconds per mile slower than your current 10k race pace. So you could do temporal runs on any measured flat road or a trail with little traffic and safe footing. As I have said many times, I use a 10k running program that is called Runkeeper Pro, runkeeper.com. So they have an app for the uh, Apple Watch. And also for the iPhone, and also I think they—I'm pretty sure—they—they they do um, for Android devices and Google Watches and other uh, devices and other platforms. Now, may I remind you that they are not a sponsor of the show. However, maybe they should be. Calling out Runkeeper, they suggested a two times fifteen hundred tempo pace with them on one minute rest. Obviously there would be a warm-up of, let's say, 1,000 metres and a cool-down of 500 metres. Now, if this is out of your reach, then I suggest you work your way up to doing a tempo sessions later on in your training. Now, according to a 2021 study published in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, tempo runs are a high predictor of long-term success for long-distance runners if they are not already part of your training you may want to start introducing one every couple of weeks since they are demanding workouts most runners will want to do one per week now another very important part of your training are the relaxed runs for your 10k running now a key part of your 10k training are the recovery runs not to be not to be confused, confused with recovery days what do recovery runs do for your body? Easy runs are also called recovery runs and are all the other miles, not the tempos or the track repeats or the long runs. They're the entities in your training training log that make up a large percentage of your weekly mileage total, but with which you don't bother to record much data. Simply um, eight or maybe uh, six or a park loop suffice. So it could be, eight kilometres or six kilometres or a park look up, as I said, to remind you of what you did that day. All runners and especially beginners and those coming back from injury benefit from the cardiovascular and muscular structural development easy running promotes. The base fitness a runner puts down through a preponderance of easy runs enables the athlete to safely progress to other types of training. More important, it allows for recovery from the hard days. A runner should achieve a training effect every day, says Dennis Baker, head coach of Augsburg College. And to me, recovery is a training effect, maybe the most important one. It's during recovery that adaptations from the hard training take place. If a runner doesn't recover, the body is not going to adapt and you will either continue digging, digging a hole for yourself or even get injured the question then is what pace is right and what do you want what do you stand to lose if you go too fast or too slow in general sense an easy run is a low intensity effort or a short to moderate duration so a long run even completed at a relaxed pace should not be considered easy because despite the pace there are some there comes a point where the duration raises the overall intensity out of the comfort zone now for me Given the time constraints and how many times a week I want to train, an easy run is maybe a 3k relaxed run at a very easy pace. The easy run can prepare you for a long run the next day. It's like you're preparing your body for the long run the following day. Plus, the easy run for me is a great way to finish off my week. So in summary, hopefully this will give you some ideas how to flesh out your 10k training program. Remember to take it easy to begin with. My takeaway is the tempo runs. This could be the key to improving your endurance and speed. As I said, make sure you build up to this session. Add them in to your training later on. Once you've decided to train for the ten k, have a look at events taking place locally in, let's say, ten to four week, fourteen weeks time, and this will give you something to aim for. Now. For the tip of the week. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, the tip of the week is running power. You may have seen it, you may not have seen it. It is a feature on quite a lot of smartwatches at the moment or even running apps. Now, what is running power and its significance? Well, it's measured in watts, and the higher the watts, the more power you generate every step. The more power you can generate at a lower heart rate or a faster pace, the more efficient you are. This can be really useful when you're doing hill running, as your running power will increase when you're going up hills as you are doing more work. This feature can be found on, as I said, most smart watches. Experienced athletes use running power in conjunction with heart rate to identify improvements in running performance. For example, if you're running the same running session three weeks apart and find you're running at the same power but with a lower heart rate, that's a sure sign of better efficiency or An improvement in your running performance. Now, as promised at the top of the show, I did say that we would be looking uh, to into uh, uh, an athlete, uh, an iconic athlete, and I thought I'd choose one of the most iconic athletes of the '80s, and that's Steve Ovett, a legend of the sport and one of the main characters in one of Athletic's major rivalries in the early 80s. He won a total of eight major medals spread over four championships. This included a bronze and a gold at the 1980 Moscow Olympics, a rivalry that has not been seen since with Sebastian Coe. Born in Brighton, Sussex, and was educated at Van Dien Grammar School, Overt was a talented teenage athlete. As a youngster, he showed great promise as a footballer but gave it up for athletics because he did not want to play a sport where he would have to rely on teammates. As a youngster, he won the under-15 junior boys English schools athletics championships title at 400 metres in 1970 uh, and the under-17s intermediate boys 800 metres title in 1972. over prominence in 1977, where he began to regularly defeat the 1500 metres Olympic champion John Walker in the early season Dublin's Mile. Overt defeated Walker and set a British record of three minutes, 54.7. The British public by now showed a keen interest in Overt, and and it was at the European Championships in 1978 that he raced against Sebastian Coe. For the first time in their senior careers, beginning a keen rivalry that would become newsworthy. He beat Coe in that race, but ultimately he would lose in the race to the East German runner Olaf Bayer. Although it must be noted that after the fall of the GDR, Bayer's name would be found in the Stasi files of athletes alleged to have doped. In 1980, Over arrived at the 1980 Moscow Olympics. The favourite to take the 1500 metre title, being unbeaten over the 1500 metres and the mile for three years. Earlier that month, he would establish a new mile world record at 3 minutes 48.8, and two weeks later, equal Sebastian Coe's world record of 3.32.1 in the 1500 metres. Ovid's participation in the 800 metres would serve as a test for the 1500 metres, in the 800 metre final, Overt was only in sixth place at the halfway mark but pushed his way through the crowd to second place. 70 metres from the line, Overt took the lead and held for the challenge from Koh to win by three metres. In the 1500 metres contested six days later, Ovid ran close behind Coe's shoulder for most of the race, but on the final bend, Coe managed a strong kick and Ovid dropped two metres behind, unable to close the gap in the home straight. Coe won gold. East Germany's Jogerstraub, who had accelerated after 800 metres, held off Co Ovid for the silver medal and Ovid had to settle for bronze. During 1981, both Overt and Co were at their peak. They didn't meet in a race that year, but exchanged world records in the mile three times during an astonishing nine-day period. He returned to action in 1983, although once again his season had been hampered by injuries, which resulted in this his not being selected for the 800 metres at the World Championships in Helsinki. He was selected for the 1500 metres but ran a poor tactical race in the final and finished fourth behind eventual winner Steve Cram. He was yet to reach his peak in 1983, which followed with a 1500 metre world record of 3 minutes 30.77 in righty. A few days later, he finishes a close second to Steve Cram in an epic mile race in Crystal Palace. In 1984, after a successful season on winter training in Australia, Obert's progress was slightly hampered by minor injuries and a bout of bronchitis. He attempted to defend his 800-metre title in the 1984 Olympic Games. But after arriving in Los Angeles, he began to suffer from respiratory problems. He was unlucky to be drawn against the eventual winner Joachim Cruz in each of his two heats, and also the semi-final, in which he only narrowly qualified for the final, lunging for the finish in fourth place and appearing to collapse over the line. He had run a 1 minute 44.81, his second fastest time ever at the distance. He recovered in time to make the final, but was clearly below his best and finished eighth, after which he collapsed and spent two nights in hospital. Against the advice of his friends and doctors, he returned a few days later to compete in the 1,500 metres, running in fourth place at the beginning of the last lap of the final. Over dropped out, he later collapsed with chest pains and was taken away on a stretcher. His career wound down, although in 1986, August 1986 he won the 5,000 metres at the Commonwealth Games, in Edinburgh. However, the following month in the European Championships, he failed to finish in hot conditions, allowing Jack Bugner, whom Over had beaten with consummate ease in Edinburgh, to win the gold. In the 1987 World Athletics Championships, he finished a lackluster 10th in the 5000 metres final. He then failed to make the 1988 Olympic team and finally announced his retirement in 1991, a year after Sebastian Coe. Post-retirement, Overt went on to become a commentator for Canadian Broadcasting Company and then was part of the commentary team for the BBC at the 2006 Commonwealth Games. And that's a wrap for another exhilarating episode of Brian's RomPod. Thanks for tuning in, folks. As always, we've got your back with all things running. And next week, get ready for some awesome beginner hints and tips to kickstart your running journey. Oh, and before we sign off, exciting news. We're now available on YouTube, so whether you're pounding the pavement or chilling at home, you can catch us there too. Plus, we have a new feature on the podcast. You can now send me a message. Yep, you heard it right. Brian's pod has become interactive with the audience. If you look at the top of the episode description, tap on send us a text message, you can tell me what you think of the episode or alternatively what you would like covered. If you're lucky, I might even read them out on the podcast. Hey, if you want to keep up with the latest updates, behind-the-scenes fun, and even some exclusive content, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter, or should I say X, at Brian's Rompod. We've also just launched a shiny new Facebook page. Simply search for Brian's Rompod and give us a like. And don't forget to hop on over to Instagram, where you can catch all our visual adventures at Brian's Rompod. For those of you who love diving deep into the episodes, head over to our website, ww.briansrompod.co.uk. and there you'll find detailed show notes, handy chapter markers, make it too easy to navigate through our favourite discussions. Please leave a review as it will always help find, others find this podcast. Music is by Happy Days by Stock Audio, not forgetting artwork by Alice Patterson. Till next week, thanks again for listening.